Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season four of the SPEMA Council podcast. As always, my name is Madeline Grossi. I'm one of your co-hosts for this season, as well as the podcast administrator. Joining me today, uh, we have Jackson Pretley, also a co-host, uh, the production uh, manager and um, the social media manager. And then we also have a special guest today, uh, Kat. She is our senior director of events um, here at the SPEMA Council podcast as well. Um, and we're going to throw it over to Cameron, or sorry, I'm going to throw it over to Jackson to introduce our guest, Cameron. Thank you, Maddie. So on today's episode, we have Cameron Penny. Cameron graduated from the University of Ottawa with an honor bachelor, with an honor bachelor of arts degree in communication. Cameron has had lots of experience in the sport industry, starting by working with the varsity hockey team's communication staff before moving on to working with the Moncton Wildcats Hockey Club as their manager of community relations and fan experience. Today, Cameron finds himself as the manager of social media at the at True North Sports and Entertainment, and we welcome him as the 19th guest here on the Spima Council podcast. Thank you very much. 19's my number, so this worked out pretty great. Wow. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. So let's get right into it, Cameron. So can you just start off about telling, just tell us about a little bit about your career in the sport industry, a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I feel like it got started right away when I started post-secondary. So I started off uh, actually in journalism instead of communications. I thought I wanted to be like a beat writer and working for a newspaper or something like that. Um, so that's what I started off doing in my first year of school. I was doing the academics and then I was at the rink every weekend uh, writing articles on the varsity hockey team at uh, Carleton University, men's hockey, women's hockey. Did some other sports as well, but hockey was what I always gravitated to. And then along the way, an opportunity popped up to do some broadcasting at the University of Ottawa. So some color commentary, some play-by-play. I thought that was kind of interesting. So that kind of snowballed along the way and it turned into, hey, can you help support our social media with making this graphic or can you write this story or uh, there was there was a time I remember I made this video um, showing the day in the life of a University of Ottawa hockey player to help them recruit so I was still a Carleton student at the time but I was sitting in the back of a lecture hall at the University of Ottawa with a camera <laughs> videotaping the hockey players while they did notes from the lecture like it was just this really funny experience and then so that turned into a larger role at the University of Ottawa and I really liked uh, the hockey groups there. So it just kind of felt easier to go continue my undergraduate degree there at the University of Ottawa. So that's where, like you said, I graduated from the University of Ottawa with a communications degree. Uh, worked a lot, mostly with the men's hockey and the women's hockey teams on their social media. And it was just a mix of everything. You know, it was live tweeting the hockey games, creating graphics, creating videos, uh, little marketing initiatives, writing stories for the website. Just You're wearing just about every hat imaginable. And that turned into an opportunity once I had my degree to work with the athletics department. So I was uh, the assistant for sports information and was doing the same thing, right? Some articles working with all the social media accounts, but it was with all the varsity teams now instead of just hockey. Um, so I felt that gave a really positive experience just to kind of see what sports I liked working with best, but it was always hockey for me. And I was looking for that kind of opportunity to keep climbing in hockey. And that's where uh, the opportunity came about to join the Moncton Wildcats which ended up being really unique because I was hired to join the team March 2020. Uh, so my first day working with the Moncton Wildcats, I went to the rink. They gave me a, uh, the cell phone, the laptop, and they said, okay, go home now because we're all socially distancing. And then that night, the CHL canceled the season. So it was uh, it was really quite a first week working for the Moncton Wildcats and through that kind of COVID bubble, maritime-only season. Uh, and so I was with Moncton for 
about a year and a half and the opportunity came up with the Winnipeg Jets and that was kind of more of a, a homecoming for myself. I grew up in Fort Francis, Ontario. It's a four hour drive from Winnipeg, whereas Ottawa was uh, between the planes and the cars. It's a 12 hour day to get home. Moncton to Fort Francis. I don't even know how long that would have taken because I never got the opportunity to do it during <laughs> COVID. Uh, but going back closer to home was a really special opportunity for me. So uh, to get hired by Chenor Sports Entertainment and work on social media with the Winnipeg Jets has been uh, quite the thrill. Yeah, that's awesome. I like how you said that you normally gravitate towards hockey, but everything you've learned is kind of transferable and you can apply it to all different sports because I think that's one of the things that we get told a lot here, especially in your first few years of the sport management program is like, you can love hockey or you can love baseball, you can love whatever sport you want, but there's always going to be an opportunity and you just have to use your skills no matter where you are. Um, and I think that's, that's an important lesson that you, that you touched on there. 100%. It's the same with the skill set, like the University of Ottawa, where there's all those different responsibilities, right? Where I was editing videos or making graphic designs, writing stories, you got to do a lot of different roles because there's not as many people available to work on that, right? Whereas now mm -hmm. in our sports and entertainment, if I need a graphic for social media, I don't make it myself. I work with different colleagues across the departments to get that produced together. It's it's not everything is just on my plate anymore. And I can focus on the elements I'm most passionate about. Yeah, for sure. And then you kind of touched on it. There's some, some different skills um, that you use while working, but uh, what skills or lessons do you think you've learned so far or like are most valuable to you um, working in kind of like that community relations, social media, fan experience roles that you've uh, been able to experience? Yeah, I think looking back on it so far, I think without taking that step to Moncton, there's there's no chance I'm in Winnipeg today. Like I had to to go learn and work in, in Moncton and the QMJHL there. And the reason for that is it's such a collaborative environment with such a small staff. So there was like, I remember off the top of my head now, like six, seven or eight full-time people. So my responsibility was community relations and fan experience, but I was talking to the ticket sales manager every day because mm -hmm. there's that collaborative effort between, okay, we're working with these groups in the community. Well, they're going to come and set up a, an activation on the concourse of the game, but we're also going to share it with the group some tickets. So you got to work together on that. Or you're promoting it on social media with the communications manager, and you need to promote the web page for the community relations on the website. So now you got to work with the graphic designer to put that together. Um, so it's just really great working in those small groups together, and you form these really strong bonds quickly. And I think mm -hmm. looking back to when I got to Moncton, I didn't have as strong of a grasp on the business side of sports that I thought I did um, because just in my experience when I was at university, there was less of an emphasis on the ticket sales and the sponsorships. And we focused more on, on growing our brand and trying to get that awareness out in the community through social media. Whereas mm -hmm. in Moncton, there was a stronger emphasis on the sponsorships and the ticket sales and the different ticket promos we could do. And even though my title was community relations and, um, fan experience there was a there was certainly a blend working with all those departments and i learned a lot working from our uh, director of corporate sales and the ticket sales and those different elements too did you have like a favorite moment like because you said fan experience and like i'm very passionate about fan experience um yeah so you have like a favorite moment in moncton like fan experience wise like a like a, your best memory in terms of yeah I think I think fan experience during that time in moncton is just so unique because i was there during the pandemic and I left right as the pandemic was starting to end. So um, like, like a funny thing I think about too, so University of Ottawa, 
I worked all the hockey games on a men's hockey season. I uh, was very lucky to have the opportunity to travel on the road, uh, which I never did meet someone else with a different team that had that similar opportunity. So I was working only 28 hockey games in the regular season and then, you know, three, six, nine playoff games. And then I go to Moncton and Moncton's that 68 game season. But now I've removed the road element and now we've got COVID that threw a wrench in our plans. And I only ended up working 19 home games that season. And then I leave for Winnipeg and immediately jump to 60 games a season. Um, So Moncton was just so unique because it was that COVID year and we had games with partial capacity. We had games with next to no capacity. And so I think the biggest thing with the fan experience was just trying to adjust it on the fly just to keep that atmosphere in that environment, even when you couldn't have as many people in the building as you wanted to. So it was always trying to get creative and, and find these different ideas. And I think that was the lesson for me was trying to see what could you pull from other teams that they're doing and how can you apply it in your market and bring it into there. Um, one of the things I implemented in Moncton that I thought was a lot of fun was working with a group called Fanex. And so we brought uh, digital activations onto the phones. So I was coming up with these trivia questions and we would put it up on the, on the Jumbotron and fans in the venue or at home could pull it up on their app and answer it. And on the Jumbotron, you would see what everyone was saying. And that was a lot of fun for me as a sports information kind of guy. And it was uh, kind of our 25th anniversary season. So there's a lot of history you could pull from. And the QMJHL had a really incredible resource for uh, finding historical records and stuff on their website. And then we spun that out even further. And we, we, you wanted to kind of gamify the hockey game, right? So it's gambling, but you can't call it gambling. So I was coming up with like these, these five part parlays being like, is there over or under 12 shots in a period? And we were integrating that with the app and then I could track it during the game and I could see everyone's answers. So I could tweet in the live tweets that, okay, 40% of our fans were right and we got more than 12 shots in that period. Um, I remember one time I asked, is a forward or a defenseman going to score the first goal of the game? Of course, everyone picked forward. And then we had a defenseman score first. So it killed everyone's parlays that I created. So that was a lot of fun to try and uh, with that fan experience. Cause then the idea that we had was if you're predicting there's going to be 12 or more shots in a period, we're sitting at 11 and there's a minute left in the period. You're really going to be screaming to shoot the puck. Right. Yeah. Hopefully that kind of builds up the atmosphere in the venue. No, that's a, that's a cool like program there. Awesome. You kind of touched on it, Cam too, but um I guess, how does it you think or your day-to-day task from Moncton or even um, yeah. with Ottawa change now that you're you're at Winnipeg? Yeah, I just think like just no matter where you're working in sports, I think I found every day is so different and that's what I love. And there's always a different challenge every day and different projects you got to focus on. And then um, like Moncton, it always felt like you, because since my focus was home games, right? And so I was focused on the fan experience so putting together the activations, um, I was also building some of the elements for game presentation, which is pretty unique because I didn't necessarily have that education background, but I had the experience in making graphics and motion graphics. So that offered a bit of extra value to Moncton to bring me in because I could do some roles beyond my normal scope. So for Moncton, I always just kind of felt like you're looking at the calendar and what's the next home game and what do I got to make sure I'm done in time? Whereas Winnipeg, uh, since I work all 82 regular season games, it's it's almost like just a one day at a time mentality. And so we've got a lot of uh, spreadsheets set up with uh, a month view, a week view, a daily view of what needs to be tackled on social media today. 
Um, so like today, for example, is an off day. We just got back from Carolina last night. So it's just a bit of activations from our corporate partners or some entertaining content that we created at the start of the season from the production day that we sprinkle out throughout the year. Um, I can run through like yesterday as an example, because we were on the road in Carolina and probably a, a road game day is one of the more busy ones for me. So I'm rolling out all the social media posts throughout the day. So that starts out. It just kind of seems like the universe has all agreed that everyone puts out their game day post at 9am. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's where my day starts is I got to get that uh, post out at 9am. One of the differences from university versus NHL was uh, I remember at university, I had to manually push all those posts out. So I had to be sitting on my computer at 8.55, ready to hit post on Facebook, post on Twitter, post on Instagram. Um, here in Winnipeg, we've got some software that can kind of manage and oversee some of the social media. So I can build some of that in advance. Instagram, you still got to do manually on your phone, but Twitter and Facebook get automated, which is really nice. Um, so there's some automated posts that go out throughout the morning. And then we go to the rink for the morning skate at 11.30. So you're kind of looking around for some good photo or video opportunities that might be engaging or interesting for social media. Uh, I like to do TikTok live a lot too, which I haven't really seen across the NHL yet. I'm not sure how many other teams are doing it, but it's really popular in Winnipeg where we do a TikTok live um, where we show off the morning skate. And it's been really interesting. Like you see a lot of reoccurring fans over time. And like the reoccurring jokes are like, they don't know my name. They don't know my face, but they just know my voice off camera. And I just like, it's a bit of chaotic energy. I'm just kind of aggressively zooming in on whichever players they want to see and, <laughs> and talking about the game. And, and so it's pretty cool when you get like 200 people live at once, just hammering you with questions about what's your favorite road rink or is Josh Morrissey going to play tonight and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, that's really cool. So then once the morning skate wraps up, there's the media availabilities, players and the coach. And then we head back to the hotel for the afternoon. So then uh, we have other people traveling that are creating the videos and writing articles based on what's going on. And so they're sending all that content to me and I'm scheduling it out to get posted in the afternoon to, to drive some of those views. No, and then, sorry, you, you jump in question. No, keep, going, keep going. Okay. Okay. So that brings you to late afternoon, like four o'clock, uh, the buses start getting ready to go to the rink. So I stand outside the hotel and do a little bit of a paparazzi impersonation and take pictures of the players as they walk out of the hotel. Uh, and cause the, the fans just love the pictures of the players in the suits. Like it's, it's one of our top performing pieces. So uh, we do a lot of those posts and, and the fans really love it. Um, and then you get to the rink and now it's just kind of making sure you've got everything set for, there's a couple more automated posts to go before the game starts. Maybe there's a great moment that happens at the sewer ball or something that's worth posting as well. And then you've got your warm-ups, you're taking some pictures, getting some videos at ice level, and then running up to the press box as fast as you can and editing some of those photos and getting the starting lineup graphic out. And then once the puck drops, it kind of it gets a bit more relaxing because now you're just kind of this eye in the sky watching the game from the press box. Um, in every venue in the league, the NHL has live social coordinators. So they're down at ice level capturing photos and videos for us. Uh, Winnipeg, we've also got a videographer on the road capturing video. So then I'm just sitting in the press box. People are sending photos and videos to me. And I'm just kind of on Twitter. Our strategy is just to react as a second screen experience live alongside the fans. So a lot of yelling, a lot of tweets with capital letters, a lot of excitement, posting <laughs> highlights, celebration videos. 
um and then you just kind of roll with the game as it goes and then hopefully you win and you get to keep rolling with some more fun stuff to post after the game and if you lose it's a bit more mellowed out a bit it's a bit of a quiet night but um suddenly that's uh 13 14 hours of your day gone and you're getting on an airplane and flying back to winnipeg so what sorry by the end of the day there how many how many posts do you think happen like in a day on yeah. game day yeah um if we win and we're posting a lot, I think it comes in around a hundred. Um, wow. well, obviously like, like Twitter is going to inflate those numbers, right? Yeah. Um, like Instagram, you've got your game day post. Maybe you're doing a feed post for morning skate. Maybe you're doing a feed post for arrivals. And then we pretty often do a feed post for every goal. And then you got your final score. And then, it's did we win so then there's the the jacket presentation where the players give their uh the jacket to the mvp and the unsung player that could be another post that could maybe the coach had a good speech that's worth posting so maybe like you know so then that's what 10 posts on instagram that's still only a fraction of it um i think the bulk's just you know twitter yelling about goals and stuff um if it's a quieter night maybe it's 60 posts or so there's, there's also, you know, like the game day, game day counts as four posts, right? Because it's, it's your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram and your Instagram story. So those kind of inflate the numbers a lot too. What if you're putting a lot of pictures on the Instagram story that night that counts in our post total. Mm. I could, it could, a hundred sounds like a lot, but then once you start breaking it down, it's, it's not as overwhelming. No, yeah. makes sense. And then, um, cause you talk about like how you take, take pictures, like the players come out in their suits. Do you have like some players that shy away from the camera? And some players that like love the camera like how do you find the balance between those yeah they're um they're all just pretty quiet they go about their business and just pretend i'm not there and then so i just kind of try and pretend i'm not there too so uh, i just quietly take some pictures and hope i get some good ones and um kind of try and see what that could build for a social post so last night is the example um like a ton of them were walking out with coffee cups and one of the players looked at me and gave me a big grin and pointed at his coffee cup uh, so then like that's an easy social post like I'm just making jokes about how much they love coffee or you know I think the line I used on Instagram was um it today's national pie day but we're more focused on coffee um you know you're looking for those opportunities to kind of have some fun and tie it together that's been that's been really interesting this year too is we're getting a lot of feedback on some of our captions that we write after the games which has been kind of crazy like yeah. um there was there was that there was that storyline um well not sorry it was in the news where those hot air balloons kept getting shot down the the ufos Mm -hmm. um so that was happening on the night that we were playing against the chicago blackhawks so we beat them and i tweeted norad has confirmed several unidentified saucers located in the back of chicago's net (laughs) and like that was like a throwaway (laughs) joke that i thought about tossing out in the second intermission i wasn't sure about i used it for the end of the game and it like exploded like people loved it so um yeah that's been kind of surreal just coming up with some of these jokes and just people really reacting to them it's interesting talking about some of the players you know and like how they interact with like fans or even staff because uh like I work at the TFC as part of their their game crew so we're always out there before the game like with the volunteers and like setting up for opening ceremonies and I always have to say to the kids or like there's even like a warm-up uh like fan tunnel so you can like stand in the tunnel and like shake their hand as they go out but you have to make it so clear to them which is so hard to understand sometimes when you're when you're such a big fan is like 
they're in game mode. Like athletes are in game mode before like a big game, like the whole day, they're just focused. So like, you can't stop them in the fan tunnel and be like, can I have your picture? Can I have your autograph? Like you have to stand there. You almost like, like you said, Cameron, like you have to be invisible. Like you have to act like you're not there. Um, but like take in the moment as much as you can. Cause sometimes while we're practicing, like players come out and like touch the grass and like see how cold it is and whatever. And I have to say like, Oh, like Michael Bradley is going to walk by you in five minutes, but you can't speak to him because like he's getting ready for the game. And, and then everybody freaks out or like, especially with the new Italian players too, like everybody wants to see them and, and get to know them. Um, but it's so hard for people to kind of wrap their head around that concept or like you can't speak to them when they're in like game mode. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think just a lot of a lot of my big moments for capturing stuff is just kind of just this fly on the wall, stay out of the way, um, especially leading up to that game because you're in you're in their space, you're yeah. in their home essentially. So you want to make sure that you're out of the way as much as possible. There was we were in Vegas earlier this season and the players were doing sewer ball and it was uh, Pierre Luc Dubois and David Riddich. and so I was trying to capture like oh the, who's who's gonna win moment because sometimes you get some cool stuff to post there. And so instead of playing sewer ball, like you'd expect where they volley it back and forth, um, David just kicked it as hard as he could at Pierre Luke and then ran away laughing because essentially he won because Pierre Luke couldn't kick it back. And it was just, I just happened to be standing there quietly in the corner videotaping it. And it's turned into this big moment now that every time David wins a game, we tweet that laughing clip because the fans love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty cool. And then we've talked a lot about like this year with, with your time with the Winnipeg Jacks. So what has been your favorite marketing activation or social media project that you worked on this year? Yeah, that was, that's, that's so hard to nail down. Cause there's, there's so many different ones that have been a lot of fun. Um, this one, definitely not a unique idea. Um, I remember spotting it from some other teams shortly before I was hired, but it's that, that uh, we call it in Winnipeg life questions, that question of the day kind of moment, whereas the players are walking out, you're asking some sort of question <laughs> And it's been interesting how that's evolved over the two years, because when I started with it, I was convinced that can't interfere, can't get in their face. They're going to be a bit more uh, open if you're not around. So I was propping up my phone on a tripod and then leaning the sign against the phone. And I had it set to the front facing camera so the players could see themselves. And I was hiding around the corner where they couldn't see me, but I could hear them and see them coming out. I was turning the camera on and off with my Apple watch. So then oh. they were reacting by themselves. I wasn't there, which you got some good answers and stuff. But then at the same time, sometimes they'd be answering the question, but they're not on camera or they're not near the microphone. And it wasn't quite working as well. So then we evolved it. And now I stand right on the bench with the phone in one hand and the sign in the other with the, with the question for them to read. And definitely the highlight this year has been uh, one of the questions we found from Twitter. Oh, cat's gone. Yeah, that's okay. Good. Go on a pause story or keep going? I'll, I'll keep going. We keep can, going. Yeah, that's we can, okay. You can tune into the podcast to get the rest yeah. of the story. <laughs> um, so one of the questions we found online was, does a straw have one hole or two? Okay. And so it was. it's kind of like that, is the dress blue or gold, right? Like yeah. I really want the question that's going to kind of separate the group. And so um the, the group was really divided as they walked out answering the question. And then my favorite part was they'd go on the ice, they'd twirl around for a bit, because this is before like practice really starts, right? So they're just kind of warming up. And they would argue with each other on the ice and then skate back to me and say, hey, I want to redo my answer. 
And then, so we did that. And then all the players had come out. I got all the video I wanted. And then one of the players skates up to me on the bench and starts arguing with me about it. And I was like, hey, like, if, if you're going to argue with me, you got to let me just like stand here like this so I can like videotape you arguing with me. Yeah. And that brought a whole group of guys. And next thing you know, there's like five guys in a semicircle giving their arguments back and forth on it. Well, I'm just sitting there like, <laughs> it was just incredible. It was just this amazing organic moment that popped up in front of me. And then, um, so the way that day worked out was we were practicing and then flying to LA for a road trip. Uh, we had a game against the Kings the following night. Mm -hmm. So we do the question, we film it, we go on the plane. I edit the video on the plane, um, post it that night. The fans loved it. And I find out at morning skate the next day that on even well after practice was over, the players were still arguing with each other, whether or not the answer was one or two. So that was in October. And I've been chasing that feeling ever since to try and find uh, the kind of questions that uh, uh, bring a lot of fun, but bring a lot of conversation too. Yeah, that's cool. What's your answer to the question then? Well, so my theory was two, because it's got to go in one and out the other. Uh, or no no my answer was one hole one hole but then like there was one of the players was like well if you're digging a grave what do you call that that's a hole and it's only got one opening a straw's got two openings so it was just, it was so like I'm confusing myself now just trying to remember all the argument I'm pretty sure my argument was one hole but uh it was pretty mixed 50 50 between the two it was pretty awesome yeah yesterday I know that the TFC did one again um, and it was like, what's your favorite type of pie? And yeah, somebody said like, somebody said like cheesecake. And then their answer, their like caption was like, I don't know, something like today's pie day. Do you consider like cheesecake a pie? Like it was so weird, but it's so funny. Yeah, I love seeing perfect. those like players answering those questions. Cause that, then you kind of get to know who they are like off yeah. the ice and like out of that kind of like. I don't know, like athlete persona. You just get to know who they are. I think we've seen too, like when we do these life questions, there's a lot of players that are like really invested in it and want to give a good answer and want to hear what some of their teammates are saying. And I think we've built uh, a lot of connections between the fan and the player just based on how much they love the personality of the player during these videos. So that's that's a really cool way to kind of connect the players, especially in a season like last year where we still had some COVID restrictions and you weren't able to connect with the players as much in person you could get that interaction through social media and it was great yeah so we've, we talked a lot about like your your favorite moments of sport like in your current roles and and what you've done before but what was like your favorite memory maybe going back as like a kid that made you want to join sport or what made you like uh, switch your program in university uh switching the program was just kind of I think like it's it's kind of funny to say, but so I started off as a journalist. Like I really liked, uh, I thought beat reporter was something that I wanted to do, writing about writing about a team over the course of the season. I was kind of interested in maybe broadcasting or radio a bit. Like it was my first year of school. I was kind of experimenting with it all. Mm. And then I think when I started that role at the University of Ottawa, that's when I kind of decided I wanted to work for a team instead of reporting on a team. Because like there's there's a two different perspectives on it. You're you're reporting on a team. You're very neutral. You're telling the story, the good and the bad, um, and you're trying to build up these relationships with the organization. But you're not necessarily their friends, right? Whereas yeah. if you work for the team, 
you're only focusing on the positive, you know, you can build those stronger relationships within the organization. Um, because like you don't ever have to focus on the negativity. It's almost, um, I joke, it's a bit of journalism on easy mode. So not, not saying I took the easy way out, but I just, <laughs> I, found, I just, I ended up really liking working for a team and, um, and just when I was working for the University of Ottawa doing the role I did, I kind of said, you know, I'd love to be doing what I'm doing right now, but at the NHL level. And, uh, you know, Winnipeg was the team closest to my hometown. So uh, if I ever made a list of teams I'd want to be a part of, Winnipeg was always number one. So to be here right now is uh, still, it's, I've been here a year and a half and it's still incredibly surreal just to think about it. No, it's not. And then um, just a little bit more about your time at all. What was your, what did you like most about working in the sports department? Like what was your, yeah. like, would yeah. you like maybe like working in new sports compared to the NHL? Yeah. So the best part about working in U sports, uh, or I'd rather call it CIS. I'll give a shout out to my, my buddies that I worked with. We all still call it CIS just because of the memories. So I got to throw that in there, but uh, it's, it's the lifelong friendships that you're going to make. Um, I've got a group chat on my phone with like eight different guys and we all know each other because we worked in university sports for a number of years. And we were all uh, spending our Friday nights together at cold rinks and writing or making videos or broadcasting or doing whatever we were right And it was just a ton of fun and it's those are some lifelong connections i'm going to have for the rest of my life um i still remember too my first year at carlton i was writing an article uh talking to some of the graduating players and i said what are you going to miss about playing at carlton and the captain told me i'm going to miss the purity of the hockey here i didn't really understand what he meant by that and so he elaborated and he talked about how, you know, he'd obviously played five years in the OHL before doing five years at Carleton. And so whether it's the junior hockey or whether it's the NHL or the minor leagues, there's trades, there's free agency, there's so much player movement. But yeah. for him as an athlete, when you walk in that locker room at the university level, it's that same group of guys for the whole year. No one's getting traded. No one's leaving because of their contract. It's you've, you've got a tight knit group of 25. And I was just really lucky to, to join the University of Ottawa and I did because they were kind of like an expansion franchise in a sense. Like they had 25 first year players. And in my final season at the university, there was like, you know, 16 graduating players all at the same time. And it was just these players that you worked with for four consecutive years that, you know, pick pick any four year span in, in Winnipeg and you're not going to find 16 constant players. Right. So that's the awesome part about university sports is you're working such tight knit with all these people and you get to work together with them for a long time. Yeah, I know uh, sometimes like I, I also work uh, at school uh, down at the equipment room and sometimes we can sign up for like extra shifts. Usually it's uh, basketball and volleyball games. And honestly, I don't really love to go out that much uh, like at university, <laughs> like I don't have to have something to do every Friday night. Uh, so when those varsity games are on, I love signing up for those because you get, I have just as much fun standing in the, in our gym, like watching the basketball game, or, well, working the basketball game and the volleyball game, but you also get to be there and experience it. I have just as much fun being there and getting paid to be there than I do going out with my friends. So I, I try to take on as many of those games as I can because it's only for a few months of the, of the school year. And uh, it's also like, Brock students should take advantage of that too. It's free. All of your student tickets are free to come for regular season games. And it's so much fun to be in there. So I definitely uh, can, can see where you're coming from. Those university sports can get intense and our women's volleyball just won uh, 
pulled um, the just one U Sports or no, sorry, OUAs the other day, and they're off to Vancouver for the U Sports Championship. So yeah, it's an exciting that. time right now. When we were in Florida and Tampa on this road trip, and I was following all the basketball nationals at Halif in Halifax. Looked like uh, it was a ton of fun. I worked uh, Ottawa hosted the nationals my last season working there, so those are some great events to be a part of. Yeah. Well, Cameron, we've had a great talk today. I've, I've had so much fun. We've learned so much about you and, and uh, your journey through the sports industry. Um, so behalf, on behalf of Jackson and I uh, from the SPEMA Council podcast and Kat, I think she was having some technical difficulties, but that's okay. Oh, um, she gets to listen to it now. I know, I know. Well, thank you for joining us. And we always like to give our, our guests the final word and, and give you the floor before we close it off. So Thank you. Uh, we've had such a great talk and the floor is yours. Uh, go GGs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what else to add there, but uh, thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. Uh, yeah, thank you. Pleasure. See you later.